Welcome to the Tigers Today podcast. Today is July 17th, 2023. I am Nolan Bianchi, GA sports writer at the Detroit News, filling in for the great Tony Paul and joined as always by the Detroit News, Detroit Tigers beat writer Chris McCoskey, who is today live from Kansas City following a three-game set in Seattle. How's it going today, Chris? Live might be overstating it for sure. <laughs> it was a rough, rough travel there, but we're okay getting through it. Well, uh, we're, we're happy to have you. Happy you could join us today. Uh, Tigers coming off a, a 2 nothing shutout loss in Seattle to rake, wrap up a series out of the All-Star break in which they won uh, the first two games. They are now 41-51 and 51 in six games back in the Central Division as we begin this glorious Monday. Uh, we're going to, you know, stop briefly to, to look at this weekend series. We're going to, you know, do a, a big kind of look ahead at the uh, the second half here. And we're also going to talk a lot of trade deadline. We know that that's what you guys are uh, tuning into here. Uh, but if we can start on a bit of a lighter note, Chris, I have to ask, um, what is the deal with all these retirement gifts for for Miguel Cabrera? They've been brutal this season, but that one that he got in Seattle this weekend has to has to take the cake. It was a little Earl Starbucks gift basket. What, what do you got on that for me? Well, he also got a check for $7,500 for his foundation. That's that's pretty good. That's, that's not, pretty good. That's nothing. He's been getting, they've all been, they've all been themed toward the, the, the locality, you know, Starbucks, Seattle, kind of a natural. I thought Mickey would, Mickey's been a good sport through all of them, man. He, he put the cowboy hat on in Texas. He, you know, he, he took the Spurs home with him, you know, when he, when he left there, he, he's been playing it up good. It's it. Everybody has a good time with it. So I, you know, I feel bad for, for, for Dan, that, the, the club the clubhouse guy because he's the one that's got to figure out a way to get this stuff home yeah from these trips it's been uh it's, it's mickey fest it was always going to be i don't even know what kansas city's going to do well and to your point i think that's the barbecue. best part about i'm it thinking is, barbecue uh, oh yeah i have to I have to do some barbecue maybe a good grill we'll get george brett involved i know he's got a, a nice barbecue uh set up down there so hopefully they can <laughs> uh tie that together nicely um but the you know we want to just go back and, and real quickly cover uh the three games that tigers take two out of three winning five four on friday six nothing saturday another lights out performance from michael lorenzen he was fantastic going six and two thirds just two hits, no runs, no earned, five walks, and seven Ks. Uh, what did you make out of how they came out of this break as a whole, and uh, how important was that that set of games out in Seattle for you? I mean, important. Yeah, they want to get off to a good start. Um, but at, the better thing is that they're, they're playing good ball, their pieces are back. That's the best thing about this is that the pieces are back. You know, uh, Bo Brisky pitched in and lights out like he – he looks really good coming back. It's 368 days since he last pitched, and people forgot that he was a big part of. Like he made 15 starts last year, and until his uh, arm started breaking down on him, he was he's pretty good. And he's even better coming in his bullpen role, where his fastball plays up to 98, and the two seamer plays up, and the changeup is legit. Um, so that's good. The t- to win series is big. That's the goal. They want to, you know, AJ preaches day in day out, win win the game today, and that's the focus. Um, so I thought I thought both of those the, both the wins were were fun wins. I mean, it was a complete win. The six nothing game was a complete win. They're hitting the ball. Kerry Carpenter's another one who's back and and obviously contributing huge. And what a difference he makes. Akeel's back, having all the left handed even even having Nick Mates on back, another left handed versatile fielding bat. Um, that helps the lineup. That helps the balance. And that's why they're playing better baseball. They also caught Seattle. I think at a that's a, a weird team. They're not. They're not firing on all cylinders are way better than their record they're way better than they're playing so they, they caught them at a good time and took advantage of it uh i believe since the uh the last time that you guys recorded a podcast we also got some some injury news speaking of that on on matt boyd 
Uh, can you fill us in a little bit on that? And and if you're looking to read a little more about it, I know Chris yep. wrote about it in the uh, Detroit News the other day. Well, he was here. He, he's going to be with the team now. He's coming back. He's, he'll be with the team all year doing his rehab in Detroit. It was, probably, it was kind of an awkward, not awkward, but it was kind of sad to see him back in his hometown. And he, I know he wanted to pitch there. Obviously, he's, he's a Seattle guy, and um, he pitched for them, obviously, at the end of last year, too. Um, wanted to pitch there badly. Um, can't. But he's his frame of mind is – it's it's always excellent, and he's, he he looks at it like it's rolling back the odometer on his arm. Just kind of continuing this this health and injury talk, you mentioned uh, this team is getting a little bit healthier right now. What's the health situation now compared to to maybe the bleaker times of the season? Can you put that into context for people who you know baseball is a game where where there's there's sixty guys ultimately you got to keep an eye on. It feels like you know and. Um, you know, I think people maybe can can forget about guys or especially with the length of absences that are away sometimes. Well, they should be the Detroit News then and they wouldn't have that problem, would they? <laughs> no, they would not. <laughs> See, come on now. Yeah. No, they're, just look at the rotation. I mean, they, they, they ended the first half with the last month of, before the first half with basically a four man rotation that included Joey Wentz and, and uh, Alex Fiedo. Now they're back. They have a full five-man rotation with Scooble in there, Manning's in there, you know, Eduardo's in there for now, Lorenzen's in there for now, and and Reese Olson wasn't up until the end of the first half. So it's it's a totally uh, new new rotation, and that's huge. And I mentioned before, Maton Maton was sent down; he wasn't injured, but he's back. Kerry Carpenter missed a month; he's back. That's huge. Riley Green is back; he missed almost what two months, though six weeks. So. You know, all these guys are back, and that just makes a huge, huge difference in, in everything that they're trying to do. Well, if uh, if they are going to challenge for the division, it does feel as if that rotation that you just mentioned is is going to be absolutely massive. Having school back, he's going to pitch on Tuesday. Do you have any idea of, of you know, what they're hoping to see out of him, how limited he'll be compared to his first two starts back, or, or what that's going to look like? He's going to be – he's going to – he's going to be limited. He's going to continue. They're not, they're not going to – they're not going to bust him back in here and – and just turn him loose. You know, he, he pitched four innings in his first two starts before the break. They purposely moved him to the back of the rotation because that's the best play. They're going to facilitate extra rest for him every chance they get. They hope he never has to pitch on five days of rest again. They want the extra day. So um, I think he'll go more than four innings. But, it, again, the, the, the starts will be spaced out more. They'll, they'll even throw a bullpen game in there. They'll, they'll use the off days to kind of extend the time off between his starts just because that injury that there's so much unknown and, and they've done a ton of research on guys who've had this, you know, like look at Matt Boyd, Matt Boyd had that same injury, the, the flexor tendon surgery. That's what Scooble had. Matt Boyd came back and he was good for 15 starts. And then he ripped his Tommy John or ripped his, uh, his ligament, his elbow. They're going to be really, really careful with him and they should be. So, don't don't expect him to come shove every five days and, and throw eight innings. It's not going to happen. If we could just transition to the the lineup real quick, we've talked a little bit about the starting pitchers, but uh, coming out of this Sunday, uh, it feels like a lot of the ire uh, from Tigers fans is directed towards Javi Baez. As it stands today, I, I'm not sure I can ever remember a, a Detroit athlete who's drawn more anger from his own fan base. But I remember you saying on well, the podcast, "You're young, man." Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> that, that, I throw that disclaimer out there. I throw that disclaimer out there. <laughs> Uh, but I, I remember you said earlier, you know, earlier in the year that that he needs to be that aircraft carrier for this lineup that that kind of brings or, you know, maybe connects the dots or, or whatever it is um, in those times when times are tough for the young guys are slumping. He has not been that 
this season. And, you know, I, I think there's enough of the sample size to wonder if he'll ever be. Where does this go from here? Where does it have left to go? Well, it's, it's, a, it's a great question. It's certainly a question that's been talked about in the organization because he's not been that guy. Not hitting fastballs. He's late on fastballs. He's He's got himself. He goes back and forth between uh, getting a good approach, giving him a chance to hit, but he's not hitting for power. And then he tries to go for power. You see lately he's been turning his back and spinning and leg kick and trying to generate power, and it's, it's working against him. Uh, he breaks so many bats, and he breaks the bats because he can't catch up to the fastball. Fastball's always getting in on him, or he's off the end. He's it's, he's a mess right now offensively, and um, he's 30 years old, and that's a concern. Uh, you know, sometimes bat speed slows down. I don't think his hands have slowed down. I think I, I just things that worked for him when he was younger, he would hit bad pitches. Mm. He would take those crazy swings at bad pitches and hit them and do damage. It's not happening now. Those He's missing those. He's whiffing at those. And uh, he's putting the ball in play, and it's not either. Either it's a it's a long out, or it's a, it's a single, you know. And uh, that's not that's not what he's getting paid that money for. And the thing is, he's he's got to opt out in his contract. He's not going to take it because I don't think there's going to be a lot of a lot of activity for him. So uh, they're they're going to have to fix him, or he's going to have to fix himself. And right now, it's, it's looking like a a bad. The good news is though, um, he's not he's not a disruptive force. He's playing hard. He's working really hard. I promise you he's in there grinding on this every day. His defense has been solid. Some throws, obviously, we always know throws will be bad once in a while. Um, but defensively, he's been he's been really good, and he's trying. But, uh, yeah, he needs to do more. He knows it. He's, he, you don't have to tell him that. He, he already knows. Well, and, 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 and the fans the fans get on him because he makes the money, and, he's, and, he, and he had, he had they, they know of his name. You know, when he was with the Cubs and all that, he he wasn't the featured player on those teams. He was a player, a good player in that lineup, but he wasn't the the aircraft carrier with us for that team, and be either for the Mets when he went to the Mets for that short time. So, yeah, that's a problem. That's that's the big uh, that's the big red flag right now in terms of the going forward. And you uh, you are somebody who who's covered a lot of different teams and a lot of different sports. I mean, can you color in just maybe the complexity of this situation? Because I think that maybe. You know, from from how I'm looking at it, I, I'm fascinated by the complexity of this situation. Um, you know, a, a guy who is is you know, a, I guess made out to be that disruptive force by some people, but you know, there are people inside the organization who who would tell you otherwise. And you know, it seems like when when the fans are on his side, he he's not playing as well, and and that could all just be coincidence. Uh, but it, it feels like it just adds another layer of, of complexity to all this. Is that kind of how you see it as well? Uh, that's 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 just an outside. That's just outside noise. That's not that doesn't. Javi is a guy that likes to be the villain. He's got some Bill Lambert in him. You know, he wants he wants people to hate him, and he seems to rise to the occasion when, when people are hating on him. But he's not. That's not where the where, you know the part about where the when the fans are liking him, he plays worse. That's 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 an inconsequential. Like that doesn't go don't relate. Like he's old man, they like me. I better suck today. You know, no, that's not that's not part of the deal, man. The fans, he 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 does play off the hate, but but you know, his struggles are his struggles, and it's baseball. It's not anything external driven. And um, you know, people people want to make their own, you know, people from the outside want to make their own impressions of him. If it feels better to villainize him, that's all good and fine. It's not that doesn't get into his world. That's not what he's he's got too much to deal with trying to hit these breaking balls that are off the plate and catching up the fastballs. It's it really, that's the complexity. The complexity is hitting major league pitching at that high of a level. 
Moving uh, to a little bit bigger picture uh, a bit, you know, we're big opportunity for the Tigers to gain some more ground in that division race this week with a four game set in Kansas City. They're four and two against Kansas City this year. Um, it, it feels like a little bit of a, a precarious high leverage situation. I know all the guys in that locker room will will tell you one day at a time, all that other stuff. But when you look at the comments from from Scott Harris saying, you know, if this team gets hot out of the all star break, that may change our approach to the deadline. Um when we talk about getting out of the out of the All Star break, that has to include winning at least three out of four against the worst team in baseball, right? Like as much as you would like to take it one day at a time, these feel like big games. No, because here's the thing that what what, what Scott Scott Harris had to say what he said in response to the question. He can't come out there and say, "Oh man, it doesn't matter if we win if we win every game," you know. But the reality is, that's eyewash. What he said was eyewash because. They're absolutely going to trade Eduardo Rodriguez because Eduardo Rodriguez absolutely is going to opt out of his contract and they're going to lose him and they're not going to double his salary, obviously, or they would have already made an extension offer. So they're absolutely going to trade him. They can win every game. They could be in first place. I think they're going to trade him. Michael Lorenzen's probably going to get traded too for the same reason. He's on a one-year contract. He's got high value right now. He's pitching well. He's an all-star. And and there are very few sellers in a whole ton of buyers so the market is good for the tigers to get a good return on on guys who are essentially rentals where you wouldn't normally get good deals back on rentals this may be a different year to do that um the thought that that they should go all in to win the central division is 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 fool's gold because central division is awful and winning the central division guarantees you two playoff games two playoff losses and if you expend a lot of resources or you you miss out on opportunities to turn some of these things into a lot of pieces going forward, you've done yourself a disservice. I mean, that's that that runs counter to yeah, we want to win. I would love to cover playoff baseball again, um, but that's foolhardy. It's not. It's not gonna. That's not the mess. That's not the method that Scott is is painstakingly set up here. He's looking to build a long term success. He's looking to, to build a real winner, not not a central division for for where the central division is right now. That's that's the reality of it, man. Well, and to your to your point a little bit too, I, I think I, like you know uh, all of this. Uh, I, I think he he can do pretty much whatever he wants. He has he has the um, cachet as a first year GM to kind of say, hey, no, we're gonna we're gonna, even though there might be this minor opportunity ahead of us, we're not gonna you know mortgage the future to do it. And I think that at the end of the day, a lot of Tigers fans would agree with that. Is is that kind of the the gist that you're getting? Where is the the level of patience? from this team with a first-year GM in the spot that they're in. It's, it feels like a very unique situation. You're not often, you know, 10 games below 500. Who's patience? Well, whose patience are you talking about? Oh, the, the the fans. Is it Where is it at right now? Do they have patience? Is there – I, I don't – I'm not locked into what the fans think. I, I don't know. I, I hear it on Twitter. I see it. I don't know if those are the real fans or those are just the, the lunatic fringe that I'm seeing on my timeline. But um, they ought to be patient because it's his first year. I mean, I don't know, I don't know how you can't be patient. The guy's not done anything. I mean, he's trying to, he's trying to, like they were so impatient with Alavila, and there was so much hate about him. If you're going to all of a sudden turn on on Harris, like less than a year into his tenure, well, you're just going to hate on whoever's in the spot. So I can't give that any credibility. I think he's doing it the right way. I think he's doing it the way that Christopher Illich wants it done. I think it's a it's a very methodical approach. It's a very development oriented. Look at Zach McKinstry. I mean, he's been you know that's look at Tyler Holton. These are guys that are that Tyler was a waiver pickup, you know, and, and he's one of their best relievers right now. 
you know, and he's a rookie and, and he's under team control. So th- this is the method, man. The method is patience, development, and, and they have they have the infrastructure now to, to make that work where they can actually bring guys to make them better. So um, going out to not take advantage of the ability to bring in a, a really good hall of prospects, I'm thinking for Eduardo Rodriguez, to not do that would be foolhardy. And um, with that, if that runs in the face of fans' impatience, I, I, I don't see how. I don't see why it would. I think they, they, they should cheer that. But, again, I can't. That's way out of my realm, man. I, I don't even know how to – like, I can't even answer Twitter sometimes. You know, I, get, <laughs> I get myself in trouble. So I, I'm just going to let them think what they want to think, and I'll just keep putting out the truth or as best I can get, as close as I can get to the truth. How's that? Good deal? Fair deal? Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, now, now, you mentioned Michael Lorenzen. You mentioned Eduardo Rodriguez. Who else do you have an eye on as a potential trade piece as we, we near the, the deadline here? Well, I think some of the bullpen pieces will, will draw attention. You know, Alex Lang has not been pitching well right now, but people know what he can do and he's capable of. Uh, Jason Foley, I think, will draw interest. But those two guys are under team control too, through 2025. So um, it's a little tougher. I mean, they could get a lot more for him, but, but again, it's a harder thing for the Tigers to move those pieces. Jose Cisnero, I think, will get a lot of – we'll get some look too because, again, there's, there's way more buyers than sellers, and those teams need those pieces. So it's July 17th. Uh, in your experience, when when can people maybe start these dominoes to start falling? I know it's a little bit different every year. It's not an exact science, but if you're if you're looking for the activity to start heating up, kind of when when do you have that circled on your calendar? Is like okay, this is when I start going into high alert trade deadline mode. Well, I mean, you got to be in it right now, but you but a lot of these deals get done at the last minute. It, it's always every year it's the case. It goes right down to the wire. I remember uh, Nick Castellanos was on deck to hit the game when he got pulled back. That's how that's how long it went to the deadline before he was traded. So um, yeah, I'm I'm in I'm in the high alert right now. It, the last the week before is when it'll probably really heat up. You know, the week before the August first deadline, and then the three days leading into it, of course, will be frantic. Now, if you're uh, if you're somebody who's not expecting this team to to go to the playoffs to win the division, which I think you know. Chris and I would agree. You're, you might be a little bit nutty if that is your expectation uh, as it stands right now. But if you're if you're kind of just you know expecting this to be a building year, what are you looking for as they run down this season? Are there any you know positional battles? Are there any you know young guys who you you want to see turn it around better? I guess a broad question, but uh, what are you looking for from this team uh, down the second half? I'm intrigued by. Seeing how, like, with when Riley takes Riley's still they're easing Riley Green in right now, still, too. He's not playing outfield every day. He's, he's going kind of, they're kind of taking it easy with the stretch reaction on his leg. But when he gets cooking, I want to, I want to see the, the full of the full effect of having Riley Carpenter and Torkelson going, you know, with, with McKinstry. Um, I would really like to see some development or some improvement for, for Javi, just because yeah, I know he's working so hard to get there. Um, I think he's his own worst enemy sometimes, but, um, you know, I'd like to see him get there. Um, but other than that, man, this is this is a transitional year, and and there's going to be guys that they're going to want to look at just to see, you know, are they part of this? Are, can they be part of this? And and so that that's really all it is. And I and I I'm intrigued by just I like the baseball. You know, I like the baseball. I like seeing what Hinch does every day to try to get the most out of these guys, and you know how how he works within a game to get the best matchup. So, you know, if he, people always say, well, why don't you play him every day? But well, if you play him every day, he's not going to be as good. Because he's being played in situations where he can best succeed, that best fit his skill set, 
and his hot zones and everything else, and the pitches he hits versus pitches who throw the pitches he hits. I mean, it's, it's fun watching that chess match. So, you know, this is the transitional year, and, and you know, we'll, we'll watch Scooby get better, and we'll watch Bob Briss monster. I really feel like if he stays healthy. So there, there's a lot of good pieces here. You know, just got to let them just let it, let it uh, percolate. As you look at the lineup and, and just – think to yourself what a what a contending lineup looks like and and obviously you wrote in your midseason grades you look at the lineup and you wonder how this team won 39 games in the first half are there any close to to solving the up and down lineup and again this is something that's that's fluid year in and year out but when it comes to just having the the totality of assets in the lineup uh you, you've added guys like McKinstry you've added guys like Beerling guys who Maybe they aren't everyday starters when this team is contending again, but like it feels like you're you're still filling out like part of your lineup and giving a little bit of punch uh, when when you maybe weren't expecting it to. How have you seen the the lineup with kind of all these new additions grow over this year? Because I think that's something that a lot of people were interested in seeing is like all these. I don't want to call them bargain bin signings, but it's probably apt a little bit. Um, and and how they would translate, whether they'd stick around. The goal is obviously to get instead of having 13 versatile mix and match players, the goal is to have everyday players at, at six, five, six positions. That's the goal. They're not there yet. So they're striving to get those pieces there. Beerling, I think, can be that be one of those pieces. I think he can be an everyday outfielder, or you can even move him back and forth if you need to, but he's an everyday player. I think he's good. His skill set is good enough. Um, so th th those pieces are developing. They're not there yet. And then some of these pieces, I mean, I think Cole Keith is going to be one of those pieces eventually. He's a, he's coming next year. You know, I don't know if, if Justin Malloy, uh, Justin Henry Malloy will be an everyday player because his defense is kind of spotty, but I think he can be a, a useful player, helpful player. He's coming. You know, so there, there's players coming in the system and there's pitchers coming in the system, and, and they're going to hopefully, when they get right, they're going to trade for or sign everyday players to fill out the gaps. But this isn't the year for that. So this is the year where you watch a mix and match, and you watch, you watch. You know, I, I mentioned in that in that great story that you know the the old sum is greater than the or however I said it. It was very clever, and I forgot how I said it. But uh, they're better than, than the, the individual. Look at the individual numbers that. Together, they work better than individually. You know what I mean? If you look at the numbers, they're at the bottom of the list in every offensive character, every category. And yet they they managed to win 40, 41 games now. So there, there's something right going on there. And it's the mix and match and it's putting guys in the position to succeed. Well, and I think that holds true uh, across all sports. You know, I, I worked in a restaurant for seven years. That was the rule of sandwich. A sandwich to be a good sandwich, you can't just throw a bunch of random stuff on. It doesn't matter if it's all a bunch of stuff you like. It needs to be a combination of things that elevates uh, everything to to be greater than the sum of its parts. And I think that that is true in every team. And I think that that's true, uh, you know, back in 2021 when this team outperformed uh, what what the expectations were. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 that's that's what a manager's job is. Mm -hmm. A manager's job is to put guys in the best position to succeed. And um, that's what's that's what's been happening to this extent. Now, this isn't goal isn't to be nine games under five hundred. The goal isn't to be five hundred. The goal isn't to be the you know fighting for the worst division in baseball. I mean, this this is just the stepping stone toward where they want to be. Um, and and it's been a long time since the Tigers have been good, so I understand the impatience with that. Um, you know, the, the slow method, but that's the only way to do it. They're not going to go out and buy. look at the Mets. Like 
Like people want to go buy this and go buy that. Look at the Mets. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're terrible. That's got to be the most. I wonder if, if fans were honest, if they would be less frustrated with that or more frustrated with that because they actually did go out and buy and they still are playing a really lousy brand of baseball. So yeah. I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know what, what the right, what the right way is, but I know the Tigers can't afford to do what the Mets did. Uh, this market can't afford it. They can't sustain it. So this is the way it's going to be. Well, and that's a great point too. You know, the grass isn't always greener. Obviously it's nice to, you know, it's, it's typically better to have more resources at your disposal, but it doesn't always equate to, uh, you know, wins a, or, or, or anything like that. A lot more to it, man. There's a lot more that goes into to, to team building. There's a lot more um, connectivity that goes, goes into it. Uh, well, I got one more for you here, and I don't mean to put you on the spot, but I think we would be remiss if uh, we we didn't try to at least you know think about who might be coming up for uh, in this second half. Are there any AAA players, AA players that the players should keep an eye on, uh, or the fans should keep an eye on in the second half to maybe make an appearance at Copar or just rise up the ranks a little bit? Maybe, maybe eventually. I mean, I've been kicking it around with uh, with Cole Keith, but I think that's going to be later. You know, later in the summer. Um, Malloy is another one. Parker Meadows almost got called up earlier when Riley Green went down, and then he was going through some stuff. Play the young guys. These are all young guys. So yeah. which young guy don't you want to play if you play these young guys? You yeah. know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, bring them all up, and you can't play them all. So they're they're gonna let they're gonna let Colt and them guys get their bats down there, and um, you know they'll see how it shakes out up here. What do you got coming up in the next week? Anything that people should keep an eye out for or just anything you, you got in the works? I mean, I'm going to go to a baseball game tonight and cover it. And then tomorrow I'm going to get up and I'm going to go to a baseball game. and I'm going to cover the crap out of it. And then I'm going to wake up the next day. And guess what I'm going to do? Cover, cover the crap, the crap out of another baseball game. game. Look at that. There you go. One episode in, we're already we're already on the same wavelength here. I I, I feel it. Uh, <laughs> Bianchi here filling in for the great Tony Paul. Thank you so much to him for letting me sit in his chair for the day. Thank you so much to Chris McCoskey for taking the time to join me out of his busy schedule in Kansas City. I hope you have some uh, delicious barbecue waiting on the other side of this uh, podcast, Chris. Sauce on meat, man. Sauce on meat. That's all it is. It's overrated. Beautiful. Oh, I know man, you foodies don't understand that. I, you were saying sauce on meat. I was I was started salivating. I was like, that's right. That's beautiful. That's all you need in life. But uh, but thanks, Chris. I, I appreciate it. And uh, good luck in, in Kansas City. And we'll, we'll see you when you come back home to Detroit. All right, man. Take care.